The Nugent Report, the science behind health and nutrition. Welcome to this episode of The Nugent Report, a definitive source for objective information on health and nutrition, featuring Dr. Steve Nugent, the renowned psychologist, author, public speaker, and expert on science, health, wellness, and nutrition. Be sure to visit our website at drnugent.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Nugent Report. So, we're going to talk about men's health. Now, that includes mental health, so we'll talk about some psychology. Keep in mind that in in a less than one hour presentation, we couldn't possibly cover all of these things in detail. That just can't be done. So, this is kind of an overview of, of what I feel are very important topics as it relates to men's health. And so we're also going to talk about brain health, prostate and hormonal health. We'll talk a little bit about the nutrition of aging as well. Well, there are a few things that a lot of people just don't know when it comes to men's health. And I would say including and especially men don't know a lot of this stuff. Let's start with the way people think. Now, a lot of how we think is determined by the way our brains are structured. And so I'm going to throw in a little bit of neurobiology for all of you, which I hope that you'll find both informative and and, and hopefully even maybe a little bit entertaining to, to learn some of this information. That there are indeed structural differences between male brains and female brains. Oh, and before I go too much further, you know, I get way too many emails to get into circular conversations with folks about you know, differences between men and women. I'm just, I'm just not going to go there, folks. I'm going to present to you as a scientist and I'm going to give you facts. And I hope that these facts will help you make good decisions about your health. That's where it'll be. Okay. Cause gosh, I'm getting so many emails now. I just, I, I can't possibly answer all the emails. I want to, but I can't. So structural differences. It is indisputable that there are structural differences between the brains of men and women. That's not an argument. And there are also certain behaviors, which are innate behaviors. And these behaviors are to a very large extent based on the structural differences in our brains. Now, some people get a little uptight about that because then they think, oh my gosh, Are you saying that we have certain behaviors that simply can't be changed? Well, I would say that there are certain survival behaviors that can't be changed. For instance, you do need to eat. If you don't eat, you will not survive. So there are innate messages coming from the brain through your genetic code that tells you that you must eat. So there are certain innate behaviors that, you know, you can modify, like how much do I eat? When do I eat? But Push comes to shove, at the end of the day, you're going to have to eat, okay? So what I'm trying to say to you all is that there are innate behaviors, and that means, and if we say this in modern terms, genetic behaviors. So there are things that are printed into your genes that tell you how to behave. These are not things that you learn. So the old nature versus nurture argument is what we're talking now. And these are not things that you learn. These are things that are actually printed in your genes before you are born. 
and these are passed on to you from your parents, these survival behaviors, okay? Scientists now say that at least 50% of all of your behavior, of all of your behavior that is seen as psychological behavior, at least 50% of it is genetic. It is actually programmed into your genes, telling you how to work. Again, folks, don't freak out and think that, you know, think in sets of absolutes and say, oh, that means this behavior or that behavior could never be changed. You can learn to modify your behaviors, but there are certain aspects of genetic behavior which you cannot, the, at the very end, at the, at the final point, you can't change certain behaviors. That's the way that is. So, if you were to look at the general behaviors of, and I'm going to speak in broad generalities, because there are specific differences from one human being to another. So I'm not implying here that everybody has precisely the same behavior if you're a man or precisely the same if you're a woman. That is not what we're saying. So there are specifics which can be different, not only within a gender, but in any individual. Okay, so in a general sense, broadly and generally, males tend to be resistant to preventive health measures. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Generally speaking, females, as a general population, tend to be very proactive about their health. Women are thinking about proactive measures. Men typically, and there are exceptions, of course, but men typically are not thinking about proactive measures for their health. The average male is like, well, if I hurt, I'll go get a painkiller. Or if I need to get a drug or a surgery, I'll do that. Otherwise, everything that my female partner says is nonsense. Okay. So that tends to be the general. And again, there are exceptions. But in general, the overwhelming majority of patients who go to see a natural practitioner, so an integrative health practitioner or a naturopath, or I'm not sure if, uh, if you have chiropractors in Australia, anyone who's doing natural health measures or offering dietary supplements, the majority of the patients they will see will be female. In fact, an overwhelming majority of the people who buy dietary supplements are female. Generally speaking, uh, when I was in practice, what I observed is that men tended to be less cooperative as patients, and women pretty much had to drag them in to get their health taken care of and force them to be seen because, well, they're men and, you know, they're tough and they don't, they're just, you know, this is all nonsense. If I'm in pain, you know, I'll go get a surgery or a, or a medication. That is unfortunately innate thinking that is part and parcel with the structure of the male brain as it is compared to the female brain. I'll give you more on that as we proceed. Some of you may find this interesting. In fact, I could easily do a full hour on the differences in the structures of the brain between men and women. I think a lot of you would find those pretty interesting. But to stick on the topic I was asked to speak about. So give you some examples. The, the portion of the brain, or the portions, I should say, of the brain which make a person open to proactive health behaviors tend to be significantly larger in females in their brains 
than in the male brains. There are certain behaviors, which again are innate behaviors. So these are pressed into your genetics, if you will, certain behaviors uh, that can't be changed, but there are behaviors that men can learn to change. So if there is nothing to, and you know, people tend to, the psychological studies are very clear on this, by the way, human beings in almost every case tend to follow the path of least resistance. And that's a survival mechanism, by the way, that's an innate survival mechanism. So it's not good or bad, it simply is. And part of the makeup of the male brain is to, uh, to not be open to these behaviors, but they can learn. And that's important. So ladies, there is hope for you to help your men become better stewards of their own health. You can help them with that. And ladies, your men do need help. You're going to you learn more as we proceed. And that, again, is probably why someone in Australia recognized that there needs to be a male health week because people need to be aware of these things. Now, you, you hear all the time about, well, humans are smarter because our brains are bigger. That's actually not true. Uh, it's people like absolutes and they like simplification. So that sounds simple. The human brain is larger than a chimpanzee brain. Therefore, humans are smarter than chimpanzees. Sorry, wrong. That's just wrong. Male brains are larger than female brains in human beings. Does that mean that men are smarter than women? I think most of the ladies will say no. That's probably not true. Okay. So I did mean to have a little humor here, but but the idea is gorillas have much larger brains than humans, but I don't know of any gorillas in a space program. So it's not just about the size of the brain. It's about the brain structure, and it's about the complexity within each of those structures that has their own separate functions. Well, here we come to the idea of, I'm sure this term has been used in Australia. I know it's been used like crazy in the, in the United States, getting in touch with your feminine side. So the idea throughout most of human history until really about the mid to late 1960s, we would say, well, men behave this way and women behave that way. Okay. And then of course we had to start saying to the men, it's okay to get in touch with your feminine side. Because folks, there are certain behaviors, and I know that somebody will misunderstand this and somebody's going to get upset. Folks, really, my only purpose is to help people, not to argue with people. So please don't email them on this, okay? The fact is there are certain behaviors which are more female and certain behaviors which are more male, and that has to do with the structures of the brain which then has to do with their genetic behaviors. Now, generalization is usually not a good thing to do, but here we have to generalize for the purpose of this presentation. And what I want you to all understand is that even though a male fetus is a male fetus, the brain of a male fetus begins as a female brain. All human brains begin as a female brain. Now, what happens as the fetus is developing within the womb is that testosterone, because it's a male, testosterone levels begin to sort of flood through the brain tissue. And 
believe it or not, if you can just imagine this, if you can visualize this, the testosterone actually shrinks some of the areas of the female brain, which the result of this then is a male brain. So there are certain aspects, and, and guys, I don't want you to get depressed, okay? Because there's, there's more to this presentation. But I want you to all understand, we men all started with female brains, all of us, okay? There's no exceptions here. <laughs> and so testosterone actually shrinks certain areas of the male brain in the fetus, areas like communication centers, empathy centers, and so on. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Now, there can be variations in brain matter within the same gender. So what do I mean? So you will have some females, as an example, who will exhibit more male behavior, and you will have some males who exhibit more female behaviors. And I don't want you folks to go out to extremes and all that, but just understand what I'm saying. That in a single gender, there can be variations in the proportion of genetic male and genetic female behaviors, okay? All right, Tim, here's a couple of examples. I mentioned the empathy centers. So generally speaking, and there are exceptions, of course, and remember that men can learn. So men can change, men can improve, all right? And I do mean improve, because if you add new pathways through a process that's called neuroplasticity, so neuroplasticity is a reality. It's, it's not a question, it's a reality. If you work an area of your brain consistently, day after day after day, you will actually grow new pathways in that portion of your brain. You will actually cause that portion of your brain to actually get bigger, to expand. So men can learn behaviors that are not innate to them, that are not genetically programmed to them. Now, some men will learn more than others. And this will be, to a great extent, based on something called selection pressure. So we go back to path of least resistance. If you have a bunch of men who have no female influences around them, and they all have stereotypical male structure and stereotypical male behavior, they have no reason to create new neuroplastic pathways. They have no reason to, because you follow the path of least resistance. But when men associate with females, now they have a reason to begin to adapt certain behaviors that we may say, getting in touch with your feminine side, all right? Hopefully this is coming through clearly for everyone and no one's getting upset with me, I hope, but I'm just telling you the science behind this neurobiology. So the areas devoted to communication in females is almost double the size of what it is in males for empathy, for saying, I feel so badly for you. I feel your pain. I feel that you're hurting. So empathy is almost double the size in females that it as in males. And that's why you often have the responses that you have from males. It's not that males are bad people. It's the way their brain is structured. And once again, they can learn and can create new pathways. And they can eventually become just as empathetic as any woman once they've created those new pathways. 
And the same thing goes with communication. Now, the reason scientists believe that the reason that the communication centers are bigger in females is because the anthropological evidence going back to our earliest ancestors indicates that females were the caregivers. Females were the nurturers. Now, they didn't just give birth and breastfeed. And by the way, breastfeeding was always the first two years of life until very recent times. So there was a real bond there between the mom and the child, for sure. And that was because they were getting the nutrients that they needed from breast milk. It was the best source for any baby. It still is, by the way. Please don't email me about breastfeeding time, okay? I'm just stating the scientific and anthropological fact. Or I don't want to. I don't want to fight with anybody about it. So the anthropological evidence indicates that the majority of males functioned as hunters, and hunters need to communicate less. If you've ever been hunting, you have to keep your mouth shut. You got to keep quiet. You got to be as quiet as you can be. And if you're hunting with a group of men, you use hand signals, gestures, and nods. You don't talk. So if scientists are correct about this, then that would explain why the communication center in women is far larger than it is in men. Now, can men expand their communication center? Of course they can. Of course they can. We go back to neuroplasticity again. But men, here's the saving grace for us. Our section of the brain for visual spatial is much larger than it is for women. And you know what that means? That means we can throw a spear better than the average woman can any day. That's not make you feel real good, does it, guys? <laughs> it's actually been tested, and it's been shown that men can throw spears better and more accurately than women. And it has to do with the structure in our, in our brains. And again, this supports the scientists who believe that throughout most of human history, before farming began, that males were uh, hunters and that women were nurturers and caregivers. And this is why scientists believe that women today, even as our society has changed, and women now have very different positions in society than ever before in history, as far as we know, this again is about neuroplasticity. So females can change behaviors, males can change behaviors. Uh, but uh, generally, this is why women are more aware and they are more proactive about the health and the well-being of their family. You know, males are like, well, didn't I tell you I loved you last year? Do I have to say it again? Don't you just know it? Do I have to say it? Do I have to say it? Okay. I'm exaggerating a little bit, obviously. But there are certainly differences between men and women. So convincing men to take care of themselves can be a really tough job. In fact, the only time that men tend to want to initiate this themselves, once again, with the exception of very rare men who really are tuned in to preventive health, but for most men, it's only about power. So bodybuilding is a great example. Men will voluntarily do bodybuilding, but that's because the result is a psychological perception of an increase in power. So as the body is built up, it becomes stronger. Now you have more power versus other males who are less built up. This is an innate behavior. 
And males perceive that, and it's not always the case because we don't want to stereotype and say that all women are only attracted to muscular men. Scientific study actually proves this is not true. But some women are exclusively attracted to men who are more muscular. And so men perceive this as if I build myself up, I have a better shot at getting the mate I want. Okay, so that's the idea. And as I mentioned before, women usually have to drag their men into seeing a healthcare practitioner. Well, in most categories, and this is why you need a men's health week, men don't know this. In fact, I think most women probably don't know this either. But in most categories, men require more nutrition than women. Now, men tend to think of it the other way around. I don't need that supplement stuff. Just need a steak and a beer, right? Well, no, that's not the case. That's not what science says. All vitamins and most minerals, not all minerals, but most minerals, can be dosed by body weight and or body size. Generally speaking, men tend to be larger than females. So I'll cover that in a little more detail in a moment. Now, exceptions to this are going to be if women are menstruating. They're going to need more nutrients that contribute to hemoglobin because they're losing so much iron when they menstruate. And of course, men don't go through that. If women are pregnant, they are feeding two people, not just themselves. So they have an increase uh, in nutrients required. And of course, if they're breastfeeding. And a great example here is among women who are pregnant, 65 milligrams of vitamin C minimum, that's a minimum, not a maximum minimum per day for females who are not pregnant or breastfeeding. For men, it's 90 milligrams. So we see that the male has a significantly larger requirement for vitamin C than the adult female does. The exception, of course, is if the adult female is either pregnant or nursing. Pregnant women need 120 milligrams minimum, not maximum, minimum of vitamin C. So what I'm showing you here is men in almost, not every category, but almost every category, require more nutrition than women. Yet, the majority of people who buy dietary supplements are women, not men. And scientific surveys show that men tend to make less healthy dietary choices than women. Now, some of you ladies are probably chuckling as you're listening to this, but it's true. Men as a group tend to choose less healthy food than women do. So what does this mean? Men require more nutrition and are probably getting less from food than the women are. This makes it even more important to have a men's health week down there in Australia. Let's start with brains. There are two things that if you don't have them working right, there's not much point in hanging around. If your heart's not working, you can't hang around. And if your brain's not working, why bother hanging around? Because if there's no brain, there's, I mean, there's, there's no you, right? So the nutrients for the brain are the same for men and women. There's no difference. DHA from omega-3. So when you take an omega-3 supplement, you are taking both DHA and EPA but it's the DHA portion that you need for the brain. 
magnesium. Oh, folks, I could do 300 pages on magnesium. Honestly, the average person has no idea how important that mineral is. And the problem that we see everywhere, first of all, is not just that nobody seems to know how important it is, but only approximately 1% of the magnesium in your body can be found in your blood. And your medical doctor has been taught to test for magnesium by checking your blood. Well, he or she cannot check for more than 1% of your total. In other words, checking your blood for magnesium doesn't actually tell you how much magnesium you have. It doesn't tell you how much functional magnesium you have for your body. That presents a very, very big problem. And when I was in practice, I always recommended to every physician I taught, and I've been teaching doctors for more than 30 years, that they don't bother with a serum. Serum means blood. So they don't bother with a serum magnesium test, but instead that they use a red blood cell magnesium. Now that will not be a test covered by most insurance companies in the countries where insurance companies pay for that sort of thing. And not every, all the countries are different to how you do this sort of thing. But red blood cell magnesium is the way to find out how much magnesium you have, not serum magnesium. Serum calcium is fine, but serum magnesium is not fine. Okay. In addition to that, the brain requires some B vitamins that are super important for brain function. B1, B6, folate, B12. In fact, those four vitamins, those four B vitamins are crucial to making you feel happy. I mean, vitamin B1, I, I actually call it all the time, I call it the happiness vitamin. If you have enough B1, it's pretty hard not to be happy. It's pretty hard not to smile. It's that important for the chemicals in your brain that determine whether you're happy or sad. Okay? Now, you also, you've got to have vitamin A, C, and E for your brain. It happens that depression is a very big problem for men. Men and women both suffer from two kinds of depression. One type is situational. So that depends on events going on in your life, the things going on around you. The other type is chemical. You could also make the case for a structural. And that would be brain structure causing the improper production of chemistry to keep you from becoming depressed. Okay, so you could make the case for that as well. So when we talk about depression, if you're talking about chemical depression, that's a different thing than situational depression. Now, nothing is going to change a bad situation except time and healing and sometimes counseling and sometimes the help of a friend or, or just somebody taking you in their arms and, and just giving you a good, sincere caress and hug and so they can feel that you care and that you love them. And sometimes that's all that you can do with situational depression. And we all have situations in our lives that can make us feel very sad. The thing with males is they have a different aspect of situational depression, which goes beyond those things that women, all women experience and all men experience. And that is depression based on achievement. Again, the structure of the male brain, and I'm not saying that there are not females that have this portion of structure in their brain because there are. 
So again, there are differences within genders, all right? So don't try and absolute me on these statements I'm making. here. But generally speaking, in general terms, the structure of the male brain lends itself to be focused on achievement. And if a male does not make that achievement, he will become unhappy, depressed, and sometimes so severely depressed that the result is suicide. In fact, males are three to four times more likely to successfully commit suicide than females. And almost all of this is achievement-based. Males have, in the structure of their brain, they have an innate program that says they must achieve, they must win, they must be number one, they must succeed, they must have recognition of their importance, they must have recognition of their self-worth in whatever that achievement is. When a male can't have that, he has a chemical cascade that makes him depressed. Literally, the thought and the chemistry together. This, for many men, will cause them to actually take their own lives because they feel worthless. Because it's so hard to help a male who is in this mindset, it is so difficult to help a male feel any degree of self-worth if they have failed in whatever their achievement goals were. And I'm not talking about little things like scoring the points at the football game. That's, that's not what I mean. I'm talking about big, big, important things. We see this particularly in males who feel that they have failed in relationships, males who feel that they have failed as providers. And I could go on for two hours on this, but I won't. We see this particularly high in men who are 65 years of age or higher. Because men are also going through a different portion of their chemistry. Everyone's heard of the, the midlife crisis. Everyone's heard of that. The midlife crisis for men generally starts somewhere in the mid-50s and goes up through eh, the upper 60s. And men will come to this realization that, you know what? I am not that strong, energetic young male I used to be. There's no way that I have any time left in my life to make the achievement that I always thought I would make, I'm just going to take my life. And this is why we see so many males over the age of 65. That is the highest suicide rate, highest group of suicide of any groups. And that's as bad as depression gets, folks. You can't get worse than that. Now, supplements can't change a situation. There's no way that a supplement and help that man get the recognition he desperately needs or to help that man achieve the goal that, that he has not achieved. But when the chemistry that's generated from missing that achievement, from not making that goal, from not having that sense of self-worth, that's how a male sees his sense of self-worth. And there are exceptions, of course. There are those rare exceptions, but I'm talking in general terms now. What will happen is the chemistry produced, the negative chemistry that's produced, is going to cause that male to require more magnesium and more B vitamins 
than he required before the depression. So it's not that the supplement changes the situation, won't do it. The situation is the situation. Other things can be done, as I mentioned before, in terms of counseling and caring and recognition and, and various things that can be done. But that change in chemistry will make that man require more magnesium and more B vitamins. So keep that in mind as we proceed. Now, women innately, as I mentioned before, it's a program in women. And are, yes, of course, there are exceptions. There are some women, you, you see the news story, which is rare, folks. It's so rare where you see a woman who murders her children or something like that. But that is so unbelievably, incredibly rare. The only reason that anyone even knows about it is because it makes a news story. It's so rare. Generally speaking, women are innately programmed to care. They are innately programmed to be proactive for the health and the welfare and the well-being of their families. And men, well, I'm a man. I'm sorry to say this, but men are not innately programmed that way. Now, can men learn that? Of course they can. And generally, you learn through experience. And some would say you learn through failure, and, and I would go with that as well. Even when you fail, you still learn. And you want to make sure that you take what you learned and improve. They say things like, well, you don't really appreciate what you have until you don't have it. And that's true. It is true for most human beings. And very often, if a man fails in something or he loses something or someone, then he begins to change. He begins to make new neural pathways. Now, are there some men who are more programmed from birth with that? Yes, of course. Of course there are. And that, again, is individual differences within the gender, as I've mentioned before. But generally speaking, men need to learn these things. It's not part of the genetic program. Whereas for women, it very clearly is. So, step one, men need a high potency emphasize high potency vitamin mineral formula. Typically, the majority of men do not need iron supplementation. In fact, about 75% of people in modern countries do not need iron supplementation, which is why I have always recommended that we make vitamin mineral products without iron on purpose. The 25% who need iron supplementation also very often need medical supervision. And what I don't want is for people to be taking a supplement alone if they also need medical supervision. I want them to have that. And that's why it has always been my philosophy to make vitamin mineral products without additional iron supplementation. Okay? So that question comes up all the time. Now you have the answer. Men typically don't need it, and it's because of male dietary choices. Males tend, in general, to eat a lot more meat than women. In fact, because of the uh, pH of women versus the pH of men, the chemistry of women versus the chemistry of men, women tend to not only be more alkaline in general, but women tend to have appetites for more alkaline foods. Men tend 
to have appetites for more acidic foods. Men eat more meat because they have a genetic program that's just they must. They have to eat more protein because they have more muscle mass. And you can't maintain your muscle mass unless you eat enough protein. This is, again, generally speaking, why males eat a lot more meat than women do. Before the whole cholesterol nonsense, I say nonsense because for 50 years or more, the entire world population was fed this nonsense that if you eat fish, you won't get heart disease. And if you eat meat, you will. That's complete, total, utter nonsense. It's been disproven in study after study after study, but the media apparently still doesn't know it. The general population doesn't know it. And even most healthcare practitioners still don't know it, even though it's been disproven. So before all that started, before any man was told, oh, if you eat meat, you'll get heart disease. If you look at the past, you look at the records, you'll see that men would choose meat, usually red meat, and women would choose seafood. If they had that choice in a restaurant, that would be the choice that would be made. Seafood's very easy to digest, and red meat is the hardest to digest. So that goes back to your differences in the systems. Red meat is very high in iron. In fact, the redder a meat is, the more iron it has in it. So it's pretty rare to find a male who's short on iron, unless, of course, that male is a vegetarian or a vegan then it can be a different story. They need to supplement high B vitamins and magnesium in particular. B vitamins are stress vitamins. B vitamins are necessary for conversion of carbohydrates. B vitamins are necessary to produce a wide range of enzymes. B vitamins are essential to your nervous system to your brain function, so many things. And magnesium, folks, magnesium has more than 600 functions in a human body. That's why I couldn't possibly cover detail of magnesium in, in one talk. It simply can't be done. There's too many functions and too many potential problems if you're not getting enough magnesium. And males need to have a minimum, minimum, of 10 grams more protein per day than females, minimum. So males have to, as a minimum average, have 56 grams, females 46 grams. But the larger the male is, and the more muscle mass he has to begin with, the more protein he has to eat. And this is why sometimes you'll see bodybuilders who eat unbelievable amounts of meat and eggs every day because they need that extra protein just to maintain their muscle mass, let alone build more muscle mass. What about prostate health? Just as the female reproductive system, which gets a lot of discussion, there is just a zillion female products out there and so much information about female reproductive systems. Not as much on male reproductive systems. And most of this, unfortunately, is driven by money. Because, again, the majority of people who buy supplements are female. Most men don't buy supplements unless they think it's going to give them some edge, some performance edge, typically. But if a male has seen a practitioner who says, you know what, you've got some prostate stuff going on. All right, now 
Now, not before, but now the male will say, oh boy, maybe I should buy a prostate supplement. And men will usually go right out and do it, like right away. The prostate gland requires selenium, magnesium, zinc, vitamin D, and something called beta-cetosterol. Now, that's a plant sterol. A plant sterol is not a vitamin or a mineral, and you have to get that separately from what you would get the selenium, magnesium, zinc, and vitamin D. If you're missing, if you as a man are missing those nutrients, if you're not getting enough of them, and if you've reached around, oh, say, the age of 40-ish, your prostate's going to start to grow. It's going to grow big. And it's going to be pretty unpleasant as it grows. You know, trust me on this. You, you will not be happy with those results. The symptoms you have are not going to be good. Your prostate health will decline if you do not have those nutrients in sufficient supply. And keep in mind, once again, the average male makes less healthy dietary choices than the average female and therefore gets less nutrition than the average female, yet they require more than the average female. Well, then there's alcohol consumption. Generally, males consume more alcohol than females. And there are exceptions, of course. But the male liver is about twice the size, on average, of the female liver, on average. And this is why when you read through material, it says, well, you know, a woman should have only one glass of wine, but a man can have two. Men can tolerate more, generally speaking, so they tend to drink more. And as a result, they are causing their body to require greater amounts of, guess what, B vitamins and magnesium, much greater quantities, and then with the liver, something called choline as well, which is associated with the B vitamin group. Some argue it's a B vitamin, some argue it isn't. So we'll say it's associated with the B vitamin group. Step two. Ensure that a high-potency vitamin mineral supplement is used, of course, that has at least 100% of the daily requirements of selenium, magnesium, vitamin D, and zinc. And make sure that as a male, you are taking a supplement that contains beta-cetosterol because your prostate gland will not understand what I'm saying I don't like to speak in absolutes, but I'm going to say this again. Your prostate will not be healthy if you are not getting bisotosterol every day. You make sure you're doing it. And then we go back to B vitamins and mood. B vitamins and feeling sad. B vitamins and being depressed. You need B vitamins to fight that. And as you consume alcohol, you are burning those up fast. Interesting exercise was done in Australia, actually, when they saw this to be a real problem among Australian men because of alcohol use. And what they did was they mandated that synthetic vitamin B1 be added to all grain products. So all products that make bread and muffins and, and buns and whatever sort of uh, correct term is used in Australia to describe those bread products, those grain products. That's why you have that mandated by your government, because it's that important. And finally, what about aging? Well, you know, as you age, you are digesting your food less efficiently, whether you're a man or a woman. You're making less digestive enzyme every year of your life, starting around the age of 40. 
And most people are not taking a digestive enzyme product. So they're not supplementing what they need to digest their food as well. We can argue, and I think it's a strong argument, to say that because of less effective digestion, as we age, we are receiving less important nutrition, which in turn increases and accelerates the aging process. And studies on aging populations pretty much show us this across the board. One study that I found was interesting had more than 4,000 people in it above the age of 51. And some of them took supplements and some took them occasionally and some didn't take them at all. And what they found was that almost nobody in this aging population was getting enough nutrition every day. Now they found that the group that used dietary supplements was getting about 80% of what they needed, but even that was not enough. So they're eating and taking supplements and still coming up short. And the thing that the population tested was coming up short of universally across the board, there were other nutrients, but the big one was magnesium. Again, brain health, nervous system health, heart health, the list goes on. And of course, vitamins A, C, and E, which are required to help you fight the aging process. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nugent Report. Visit our website at drnugent.com for more objective facts about health and nutrition and email your questions and feedback to info at drnugent.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Nugent Report. Stay informed. Get the facts with the Nugent Report.